Every Sunday, we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's Word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come join us. We have two services, one at 8.30 and one at 11, and Bible study for all ages at 9.45. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Brother Gary, for the beautiful music this morning. I wonder what we will be singing before the throne. Maybe some of the songs that we sang this morning. We'll be hearing them in multitudinous languages. Is multitudinous a word? You know what I mean. Let's bow together. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Father, we can hardly imagine what it will be like. We have a taste of it right here as we worship together on Sunday mornings. Thank you for the gift of music. Thank you for placing the desire in our hearts to worship you through music. And Father, it has been beautiful today and a foretaste of what is yet to come. Thank you for this joyous privilege. And we ask now that you direct our attention to Scripture, that you might be glorified in this place this morning, and that you will speak to our hearts as we think one more time today about a vision for missions. We love you. We adore you. We are a very grateful people. And we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 40, the 40th Psalm. And if you can, also open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Now, we'll read Psalms first, Isaiah 2nd, and it'll all be on the screen if you prefer or that's easier for you. But I love hearing the pages of Scripture turn from the congregation Psalm 40, and then Isaiah 6. Today we continue our series in global missions. Next Sunday, as Dr. Gish mentioned a few moments ago, Heath Pelequin will be here to preach for us and conclude uh, this series on global missions. Many of you will remember Heath. He was an intern here while a student at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. And then he went away and later came back to serve as our college and missions minister when those two positions were together. And as some of you will remember from long ago, he served as our interim minister of music between the retirement of Larry Putman and the arrival of Gary Bledsoe. So Heath will be preaching for us next Sunday, and I know that you will be here March the 8th. We'll begin a new series, Steps to the Cross, that will carry us through Easter Sunday, which this year is April 12th. Then the next Sunday, the 19th of April, we will begin a series on Galatians, the glory 
of the gospel. On January the 26th, we introduced this series on global missions. What a morning it was, a multilingual service highlighting to us that the world is here. Then on February 2nd, we talked about the challenge of North America, followed by on the 9th, the challenge of Texas, and then last Sunday, the challenge of the world. I hope that you have one of the Global Mission books. If you have not yet picked up one, there are a bunch of them on the table in the foyer right underneath the world map. I want to encourage you to have one of these, at least one per family, if not one per person, and keep it where you pray every day and use it. Look at it. It tells all of us about what our church is doing in missions, and it gives us a great daily prayer guide that will in one month enable us to pray for every single one of our mission partners. And I'm so grateful to Dr. Gish for putting this book together. So today I want to wrap up my part of this series and talk about a vision for missions. So stand with me, please. We read the 40th Psalm, the first eight verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. And then from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter, also the first eight verses. Imagine Isaiah is given a vision of heaven and he sees God himself on his throne. Can you imagine seeing that? And here is what he says. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, sitting on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. You may be seated. The 40th Psalm is a testimony. The psalmist tells of his spiritual condition. He tells of God's rescue of his soul and of how God is blessing. And as a result, his desire to obey and to glorify God. Isaiah 6 is the prophet's vision and the resulting commission of him by God. He sees his sin and his condition. He experiences God's forgiveness and cleansing. And as a result, he answers God's call on his life. And so this morning we think about a vision for missions. And in that, I want us to see five things. And the first is this. See as God sees. See as God sees. What is it that we are to see as God sees? There are four things that we are to see as God sees. And the first is my sin. My sin. Make this personal. I am a sinner, and I needed someone to tell me about Jesus, and they did. There are none righteous, no, not one. John Newton penned the words to perhaps the most famous hymn in history, Amazing Grace, and in it he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and such I am I am a wretch a sinful wretch but Jesus has saved me Isaac Watts wrote and got it right when he said alas and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I Well, most modern hymnals have changed that last sentence. Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? I think maybe we lost a little something when we quit being worms. Indeed, as sinners, we are. And the psalmist in his testimony is in a bad place, as we see in the first part of the second verse. He is in the slimy pit. He is in the mud. He is in the mire. Do you remember what it was like to be there? And he says, God lifts me out. And he puts the song in my mouth. And Isaiah says it this way 
in the seventh verse of his sixth chapter, he touched my mouth with the coal. He touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. He does the work of forgiving and cleansing. And I now see as he sees. And so as we think about a vision for missions and these two passages, we want to see as God sees. And so we see our sin. Isaiah was in the presence of a holy God. And initially you might think what a great place to be. But Isaiah says, no, it's a horrible place to be because I am in the presence of God and I am an unforgiven sinner. But then God himself sends one of the seraphim to touch his lips with that hot coal and says, you're forgiven. Your sin is atoned for. As we think about seeing as God sees, there's a second thing that we want to see as God sees, and that is his salvation, which is a gift of God by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. Look again at that second verse of that psalm. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He lifts me out of the muck and the mire and he puts a song in my mouth and Isaiah in the seventh verse says yet my guilt is taken away my sin is atoned for he does that he does the cleansing he does the forgiving and so now I see as he sees my sin his salvation And the third thing that I see as he sees is the sin of the world. The sin of the world, which is why we do what we do, because the world is lost in sin, and without Jesus, they will perish. And so we see the sin of the world. We see Hunger, we see poverty, we see a lack of education, we see a lack of of clothing. And all of that which catches our attention is because of sin. Without sin, there would be no hunger. Without sin, there would be no poverty. Without sin, there would be no one who lacks clothing. But all of that is because of man's sin. And so we see the sin of the world as God sees it. And that sin moved God in his compassion to give his one and only son to die on the cross that our sin might be forgiven. And as the song said so beautifully this morning, we need to share the news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. God loves this world. But due to sin, we are lost and hopeless But God, but God, but God, but God, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. You have set me on a rock. 
You put me on a firm place, the psalmist says, but God. Isaiah, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't have a chance. I'm in the presence of God. I'm doomed, but God. But God sends the seraphim with the hot coal and says, your sins is touched your lips. Your sin is forgiven. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We see as God sees my sin, his salvation, the sin of the world, and we see the glory of God. We see the glory of God. The the psalmist says, Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us, None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. And yet he proceeds from there to say in a manner of speaking, but I'm going to try. I'm going to tell everyone I can tell about your glory and your honor. And in Isaiah's words, looking at the throne, the seraphim, the angel, uh, the, the seraphim with two wings over their faces, two over their feet, two are flying. What an incredible scene. God on his throne and they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. We see as he sees the glory of God. And Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The glory of God is the central theme of Scripture through the central figure of Scripture who is Jesus, our redemption is for his glory. Now, there's a second thing I want us to grasp as we think about this vision for missions, and that's this. Know the importance of our calling. Know the importance of our calling. God has chosen to use us to make himself known. Next to the amazement that I have that he would love us enough to save us is the amazement that he would want to use us for his glory to make him known. Our our commission, know the importance of, of our calling, first in our commission and second in our obedience, first in our commission. He, he asks, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? In the 40th chapter, again, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. 
And then he says, many are your wonders you've done. The things you plan, nobody can compare with you. And we're to speak and tell of your deeds. Too many to declare. And then in Matthew chapter 28, the great commission, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation. Amazing. Spoken to a handful of believers. And look what's happened. By the power of God in that commission is ours and then Jesus said earlier in Matthew, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field. And that is our privilege to pray and to go. Our commission is important, but our obedience is important. For remember, Isaiah responded to God's call and said, here, here am I. Send me. What? I don't know how long all that took. I don't know how long Isaiah saw what he saw and how long it took for him to hear and be forgiven and to respond. I don't know if that was almost instantaneous, if it went on for a long time. I have no idea. But what I do know is Isaiah's response was, Here am I, send me. As a result of my salvation, as a result of my rescue, I respond to God's call. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart, the psalmist said. It is important, our calling. It is important, and we cannot ignore it. Now, there's a third thing from these two passages as we think about our vision for missions that I want us to grasp. And and this is important. And and here it is. Understand God's power. Understand God's power. Now look back at verse 2 again in chapter 40. He, He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Later, verse 5, many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you've done, the things you planned for us. Nobody can compare with you. No one, the psalmist says. And then Isaiah puts it this way. I, I, I see the angels and I hear Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory at the sound of their voices. Listen, listen. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. God's power is on display. God's power is on display. And then... With the touch of the hot coal upon his lips, Isaiah says, repeats God's words, your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. The power of God is on display. Manifested in the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection. So understand God's power. And, and, and that's essential because we, we look at our next door neighbor who we don't think is interested at all in Jesus and, and we, we become timid and afraid to say anything. We've all been there. We're all, we've all been there. The, 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 the work that we are 
that we know we need to do in parts of the world, in our, in our city, our, all of it, we look at our resources and we think, we, we, we can't, we can't do it. We just, we can't do it. We just can't do it. Yes, we can. Because we appropriate the power of God. Not our power, but the power of God, which is through us and to us. Through us and to us. Let, let's get the to us first. When you give your life to Christ, you're changed from the inside out. If any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Then, then, then look at Isaiah. Your sins are forgiven. Your iniquities, they've been, they've been atoned for. And, and the psalmist says, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a place to stand and put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Here's the way the psalmist puts it in, in the 103rd Psalm. You remember these words. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, what are they? Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Wow, that's his power. Understand his power to us. I, I was reading a sermon by David Platt, who until recently was president of the International Mission Board for our, our, our Southern Baptist Convention. And in it, he tells a story that sounded familiar, like maybe I heard it a long time ago, but I, I love the way David told it, so I share it with you. I, he said, I heard a story once about an Englishman who bought a Rolls Royce. It had been advertised as the car that would never, 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 ever, ever, ever break down. So he bought the Rolls Royce at a hefty price, was driving it one day, when to his surprise, it broke down. He was far away from town, so he called and said, hey, you know this car that will never break down? Well, it's broken down. Immediately, a Rolls Royce mechanic was sent via helicopter to the location where the car was broken down. The car was fixed and the man went on his way. Naturally, he expected to get a bill from Rolls-Royce. It was clearly expensive for them to provide such service. Not often does your mechanic fly in on a helicopter. And he wanted to get the whole ordeal behind him. So when the bill had not come after a few weeks, he calls Rolls-Royce and says, I'd like to go ahead and pay my bill for my broken down car so we can get this behind us. After a long silence... The Rolls-Royce representative said, Sir, we are deeply sorry, but we have absolutely no record of anything ever having gone wrong with your car. <laughs> Consider it for all who turn from ourselves and our sin to trust in Christ as Savior and King the God of the universe looks at your life and says, I have absolutely no record of anything ever having gone wrong in your life. 
In fact, because we are clothed in Christ, he says exactly the opposite. I have a record of everything having gone right in your life. And that's a scandal. That's what what Platt says. It's a scandal. We have a scandalously merciful Savior. And if this is all true, if we have an incomprehensibly glorious God, if we are a sinfully lost people, and if we have a scandalously merciful Savior, then only one conclusion remains. Brothers and sisters, we have an indescribably urgent mission. And we do. To us, the power of God. And then through us, the power of God. Did you hear texts relate that our team had the joyous privilege of leading eight to faith in Christ in their the few days that they had in East Asia, uh, South Asia? Oh, praise God. Praise God. And the numbers are mounting. It's not our power. It's his power through us. Let me share one more story from Platt. Consider this true story from an impoverished area in East India. Are you listening? Rajesh is a pastor who lives in one of the most spiritually and physically desolate places in India. Home to the poorest of the poor. And only 0.01% evangelical Christian. The death rate in Rajesh's area is about 5,000 people per day. Which means that every day 4,950 people are plunged into hell. For generations, the spiritual ground around Rajesh has been hard and the physical poverty has been harrowing. Rajesh was at the end of his rope in his ministry, but he went to a conference on disciple-making and church multiplication where he was encouraged, refreshed, and renewed. At the conference, Rajesh was challenged to walk into a totally unreached village and say to the first person he met, I'm here in the name of Jesus And I would like to pray for you and your village. Rajesh rolled his eyes thinking that'll never work. But because he was at the end of his rope, he agreed to try it. He went into an unreached village, approached the first man he saw and said, I'm here in the name of Jesus and I'd like to pray for you and your village. The man replied, I've never heard of Jesus. Can you tell me more about him? Surprised, Rajesh said, yes, The man said, wait, I want to have my friends here too. So Rajesh followed the man to his home where in a matter of minutes, he found himself surrounded by a group of people wanting him to tell them about Jesus. Within two weeks, 25 people in that room had placed their faith in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. Then those new believers talking among themselves said, Why don't we start doing the same thing Rajesh did for us? And in the days that followed, churches have been planted in, get this, 115 different villages in that area. Now, that's not the power of Rajesh. That's not the power of any single Indian. That is the power of God through us. And here's the way Platt wraps up that story. The gospel is powerful. 
This is why you can go with confidence to the hardest, most difficult place and people and, and the hardest peoples on this planet. When we send people from our church, we are sending them out with death-defying conviction that this gospel has the power to save. When we adopt a people group, we know that that people group one day will be represented around the throne of Christ as described in Revelation 7. So no matter how challenging it may be, we preach the gospel knowing that someone in every people group is going to respond in faith. Indeed, there is not a people group on the planet that is beyond the power of God to save. And people who believe this cannot sit on the gospel. People who believe this will eagerly leave their comforts and gladly give their lives proclaiming this gospel among the nations. The power of God to us and through us. And the power of Christ to the world. You and I cannot only touch the world but we can shake the world through the power of Christ. Now, let me hasten to finish. Action is specific. I hope you receive in your worship bulletin today a card that looks like this. Now, don't be afraid. It's not a pledge card. But I want you to look at this card with me for a moment. Because I'm going to ask you between now and next Sunday to fill it out and bring it back. And we're going to do something special with these cards next Sunday. You'll notice what is the front side of the card where it's a place for your name. And then you're going to notice some lines underneath a heading personal vision statements and it has on the right pray on the back there are some sample vision statements that you can use or make your own and fill it in on those lines your vision statement for praying for missions in 2020 now i bet most of you are already doing that so just put down what you've already been doing And then the next section is forgiving. We'll give a one-time gift, a global missions offering. We'll give like we've always done in the months of March and September and December, or we'll give routinely through the year, whichever. Now, again, as I said last week, but maybe you've forgotten it or weren't here. Even at the stage of life in which my wife and I find ourselves, cash flow is still important to us. And so in in the traditional way of giving, it was always somewhat frustrating to to want to give more than cash flow would allow us to give. But we would be as generous as we could be, uh, led, led, we believe, by the Spirit of God. But now that we're able to give all year long through our global mission offering, I've, I've calculated if I give some every Sunday, How will that compare to what I did in the past in giving during the three months of emphasis? And for us, our gifts are more than double, more than double. So all I'm asking is that you think about that and pray about that and see what God would have you do. And the breakdown 
for where that gift goes is in the book on page 7. 50% of it going to international missions, Lottie Moon. 20% to North American missions, Annie Armstrong. 15% to Texas missions, Mary Hill Davis. 15% to the Harvest Fund. We've talked about this morning that enables people to go. And then the bottom is go. And there's a mission statement on the back that you can borrow or write one of your own. Are you willing to go or are you willing to help someone go? Fill those out. Bring them back next Sunday. And we're going to do something special with them during the worship service. Okay? So we'll try to remind you on Realm. And we'll even have some here because the inevitable is it's on the dresser. I'm going to pick it up as I go out the door on Sunday morning, but I go right by it and it stays on the dresser. So we'll have some here. You can redo it or get them in later. Okay. Action is specific for praying. Remember the book helps you. IMB.org for international mission. It's a, a fascinating website. Giving, sending, and going yourself. And then I want to add one that's not on the card, and that's listen. What is it that God wants to say to you during this time of mission emphasis? I believe he has something to say to everybody. Listen. During your scripture reading, during your prayer time, listen to what God says through his word and what God says to you through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me wrap it up. We've got to finish. Number five. Glory and joy. There's a lot of glory and joy tied up in missions. You know that? Glory and joy. The glory is God's and the joy is ours. The glory is God's and the joy is ours. I read with fascination the words of Isaiah. And what he saw and experienced. And did you catch the part of how the very threshold of heaven was shaking because of the power of God? Did you see that? Is there somewhere in the depths of your heart a desire to see our church shaken by the power of God. Oh, I'm, I'm not talking about the Lord's supper table all of a sudden start shaking. I'm talking about our hearts. Is there a desire to see the power of God in a way that we've never seen it before? I believe God stands ready to do that. Father, We are utterly amazed at everything about you. Your power, your authority, your love, and your compassion, and your mercy. I pray, Father, that you will speak to the heart of those here today who do not yet know Jesus. Draw them to yourself. I also pray that you would speak to our hearts about the lostness of our world. And, Father, that we will listen and then be absolutely obedient to what you want us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
we stand. Brother Gary will lead us to give your heart to Jesus. Come and place your hand in mine. Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you. Anything you want to say about missions, you can come and pray, share with one of us. God speaks to your hearts. And as we stand, you come and as we sing. Thank you for listening today. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, to help, and to encourage.